You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Making Waves. Welcome to Making Waves, episode 88. Thank you everyone for, uh, for joining us on this evening. Our guest tonight is someone who's been on our cruise before, so we're, we're looking forward to having him back in uh, January 2023, and that's Davey Suicide. Welcome, Davey. What's up, guys? Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. I know we, we tried to make this happen last week, but I, I'm glad we finally got it all together for you. I always say it's not, it's, uh, it's, it's not when you arrive, it's that you do arrive. So, Absolutely, absolutely. So, man, let's get right into it. So, new single, Caught in the Fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's heavy. It's getting a lot of attention. Um, what was the idea behind the song? How did it come to be? Um, th- it was kind of the beginning of my relationship with my girlfriend. And uh, I was kind of at war with um, me being ready for it and her not being ready for it. And, uh, I wanted her so badly to see that we could be something really special. But in, uh, that moment, um, she was elsewhere with what she wanted. And, uh, when you're not aligned, um, and, and you want the other person to be aligned and you have no really, uh, control over where, where they're at, um, there's a lot of conflict there. And uh, I had a choice whether I wanted to stick it out and see if she would catch up to me where I was and where I wanted to be or, or just um, maybe um, it wasn't going to be. Um, so that's where that line is, uh, um, will we arrive or just burn out came from. And uh, in the end, it all worked out. Um, I believe uh, in us so strongly that it was worth going through that scenario. But um, that was a big coping mechanism for that time for me because uh, emotionally I was very, uh, it was very turbulent. Um, and, uh, and I wasn't used to that. Like, I think maybe fortunately I haven't been in a lot of situations where um, I, I think that it was always kind of clear cut what both sides wanted and it was unfamiliar ground for me. And, um, but it, it, it made me really kind of dig deep and fight for what I thought would be great. And, um, now things have worked out and we have our first kid together. So it's, uh, it's been a crazy year though, two and a half years now. So. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah, exactly. Congrats on me and a dad. Um, and you know, it's funny that you mentioned that song. It's just like t- people tend to forget the heaviness there's no heavier subject matter than love and relationships when it get down to the core of things, right? It's what we're yeah. all yearning for. So to, to sing it in such a, 
a manner is, is actually quite refreshing. You know, it's like, I appreciate female vocalists so much because they have a way of being really, um, uh, kind of authentic to what they're, they're, they're not really trying to impress anybody. They just kind of write from the heart. And I think a lot of guys, especially fucking dudes in metal bands, like try to be so broy and like tough and like they talk all like, <laughs> it's just so, it's so silly to me. Cause like, I'm like, bro, you're not out there killing anybody. You're not beating people up. Like you're just acting like this tough guy for 30 minutes on stage or an hour and a half on stage. And you're talking all this shit, but when it comes down to it, you don't back it up. So for me, it doesn't, those kinds of bands are cheesy to me. And, uh, and I think where, where stuff really resonates is when it comes from a place of, uh, like a core authentic place where it's actually something you've lived through. And it's actually, um, you know, a, a, a commonality that people share. So, um, that song for me was, was, I don't know. I think you can feel it, you know? Um, but I think a lot of people that do play music are, are, are trying to present themselves in such a way that, um, it really isn't too true to what they are. And, uh, and, and I think love songs in general, although I'm not a big writer of those, I think, people can relate to that because it's like, it's something we've all felt. We've all wanted something or didn't have it, or we've all um, fought for something that we believed should be, or we've all gotten broken by somebody. You know, that you um, made up a really good point about, uh, I'm sorry, Chad, just I want to be talking about singers and metal bands. It always seems to be, you're right. It's always seems like I cannot relate to a guy who's singing about always being vengeful. I'm like, how many people in your life have done you wrong that you need to write an entire album about each and every one of them? Yeah, that's just funny. And then they're like five foot five. It's like, maybe that's why. That's but then I find why it, I find a it you find it refreshing when people. That's What's probably that? a hard time. That's <laughs> probably just saying, that's probably why they're having a hard time is because they have so much stripe on them uh, that they put out there in the world. You know, like they're writing about enemies all the time. Well, why aren't you writing about any friends? That's kind of a, a telltale sign of the personality behind the singer, right? Yeah, I mean, if, if the same problems constantly follow you, what's the common denominator? Right, right. Yeah, right, right. So again, that, the idea that you're putting love out there in, in such a manner um, and, and in such a genre that, you know, vulnerability has never been one that, that, that kind of coincides with heavy metal, but it, it's always nice to have that kind of change out there. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I got plenty of hate in my heart still, but I'm, oh, I'm, so, I'm not. I'm not taking that away. But you got to have love to have hate, right? They, they, they there it is. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got a question about uh, you. You said something in in in, in that just kind of resonated, and I had to ask the question. Um, I too, when I listen to heavy bands, have a hard time picturing the angst. You know, as I get older. Uh, when I was younger, it was really easy, you know, like, especially when I think there was the mystique to it and there wasn't internet, you know, that there wasn't IGs associated with people, yeah. you know, Slipknot was scary, you know, like that sort of shit was like a thing that like really terrified me uh, as a human listening to him. I was like, they could totally do this, but I don't know, like they could totally be the person that is like committing these, these, uh, <laughs> these offenses in their songs. I don't know if there's anybody that's modernly come out in the metal rock space that 
also gives me that that feeling. I was wondering if there's anybody that you can relate modernly. I sh- I should say, like in the last ten years, can you think of anybody who, who sings you like I believe them? Um, or her. I mean, so that's a different. What's different about that question to me is like there are vocalists that I believe their words. Um, like for me, like Pantera was just badass forever. Um, and I just felt like these dudes are just <laughs> grimy, sludgy Southern boys that really just got fucked up a lot and just, you know, had a lot of problems with people. Um, to me, I think the Instagram, uh, the accessibility of all this stuff has just watered it down so much. Like you got bands like five finger death punch and stuff like that. Like, um, that are huge. Um, it's just hard. And I don't know if it's because we're older and, and we can see through the smoke and mirrors of it, but I, I just, I don't believe it as much, you know, it's like, it's like to me, those bands had their first album and they had a lightning in a bottle moment. And then they had to keep putting out stuff that was on par with that. So they said, all right, cool. We need four heavy tracks or six heavy tracks, a slow one, a couple mid tempos. And like, you know, they're kind of like redoing the formulas or whatever. Um, but I will say some vocalists that I, I, I think Maria Brink, her voice and her conviction, I believe that um, I, I can hear pain in her voice. I think Joe from Dead is great. Um, I mean, those are two that like right off the bat that I think, you know, like I think Joe specifically in the first album, um, I mean, he just kind of nails like that new metal vocal. And, uh, it's just, it's angry, you know, like, I mean, and, and this is probably very unpopular opinion, but I, like, to me, they nail it. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I, love I was going to, and scene. <laughs> I mean, I love this dialogue personally. I was thinking about this the other day. You said Pantera, Slipknot, uh, and I'm specifically thinking about who scares the shit out of me when I put the headphones on. I'm still like, okay, I'm like legit. Whether the story is true or not, that the lyrics, you know, uh, that are trying to alliterate. But do you really, honestly, terrify me like when I was younger? And I think Lamb of God is one of those that kind of like does it still, like or more modern i should say when randy and those guys came out i was like oh i'm still terrified like when i was a kid i guess you know yeah i mean i i I never got terrified um you know like like to me like eminem i i i wasn't about terror it was just about believability like Mm -hmm. that dude when he when he would rap or like say something like it's just like yeah man like i can get behind that like sure that to me is more like terrifying terrifying to me is like a, a serial killer who feels nothing that can just continue to kill and not feel bad about it. That's terrifying. Music to me is more about um, emotion and, and, and coping with sense and time and uh, kind of therapeutic, if you will. Sure. I've never yeah. thought Slipknot was scary. Uh, I, I don't know. I think, I mean, I'd probably get shit on for saying this, but I think there's so many other better metal bands than them. Um, and to me, like, there's just, I, I like bands with guitar players like Dimebag Daryl and fucking, I, I don't know. Like, Slipknot has done something fantastic for the genre. I love that they're huge, um, but I would take so many other bands before them for my personal taste. Um, 
I, I remember being a kid and seeing them at Ozfest when it was like them, Lincoln Park, Papa Roach, Manson, and uh, Disturbed was on that. Um, it was a great year. Um, but Manson, to me, slayed everybody that that year. And, and it was just, it wasn't even close. And uh, I don't know. And to me, like his stuff was, was, was cooler, was artistic. It was heavy, but it didn't have to be loud. Like you can be heavy without playing a million miles an hour and, and, and being loud as fuck. Like you can be heavy because it's moving. And I think yeah, that's almost me. more powerful than playing a million miles an hour and having a thousand people on stage. I agree. Yeah, Kelsey Wolf for me is a perfect example of that. She's, yeah, uh, she's super heavy and doesn't have she to. Got, she, got a, she got a vibe. I'll tell you, the only musician that ever I bought into and, and he sold it to me the best and is actually truly terrifying and he did what he said he was going to do with Gigi Allen. Okay, that's yeah. it. That's yeah. that's it. He's the only guy that ever proved his metal. He's also a piece <laughs> of shit, but yeah, I mean, like, he's, he's dead. Like, he's a he's dead as a doornail, like, but yeah, 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 he, yeah, was, yeah. Like, he was <laughs> demonic <laughs> Superman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious, man. I mean, that's a, a like a it, it's a conversation that's more or less about uh, you know taste and preference and how we yes. all connect. So, and music is subjective that way. But you said that, and I was like, I wonder if there's anything that like strikes that vibe in him currently. So, thanks for thanks for uh, playing along. <laughs> hey, hey Davey, I'd, I'd be remiss not to ask, man. Where did you? Where did the name your name come from? What What does it stem from? Is it something that you kind of just kind of came up with on the fly, or maybe? Do you have an addiction to horror or like, you know, not addiction, just a, an interest in horror? What, where did the name come from? Um, I think I realized when I lived in um, Baltimore before I moved out to L.A., um, I realized that I had this thing in me that unless I killed myself or stopped myself from achieving something, I was the only person that was going to stop myself from getting what I wanted in this life. And so when I coined the name suicide, it was that it was a constant reminder that unless I got my own way, I was going to get what I wanted. And, and that's that juxtaposition because the name has such a negative connotation was something that because of the way I looked, I was already experiencing a lot of like, um, I was already experiencing a lot of uh, prejudgment because mm -hmm. where I live, there wasn't people that looked like me. And, um, and I thought that name kind of fit really well with that because that name was also something that just based on the name, you think it's negative. And for me, it was positive because it was just a reminder that, hey, if you're going to keep at this and you want to keep going, you're the only reason that it's either going to go or it's going to stop. And so I was just like, well, this is my name. Then I will never get away from the, the, the reality of if it succeeds or fails. And it's all on my shoulders. Do you think, do you, do you think that sometimes that people uh, like yourself, you, I, 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 then I assume that the word suicide is like the only way I'm not going to achieve myself is basically if I just, you know, kill myself in order to get it completed. Right. In order to find that dream or get that goal. Yeah. yeah, yeah gonna kill myself. Yeah. Um, do you think there's a lot of, with a lot of artists, there's a lot of self-sabotage because they get to that point where they just, they're not ready to accept any kind of success or the challenge ahead. It's just easier uh, to think, do that. I think there's a lot of self-sabotage with people. Um, I think a lot of people get in their own way. I think a lot of people are scared to uh, 
they're just, I think they're scared to share some of what they are because there's, because people are so judgmental, you know, it's like we project onto the world things that have given us trouble. And you think about how hard it is to communicate to the person you care about uh, what's going on. And then imagine the judgment that you think you're going to get from the person you care about. And you release this information to everybody. And then all of a sudden, not the judgment of one, but the judgment of the entire internet or the entire music community or entire whatever is now having a say in what you feel. And you decide to share that and open your book up for everyone else to tear your book apart. So I think that that is the root of why a lot of people are scared to share who they are. And um, I, I think people are scared to fail. I think also people are scared to succeed. Um, and, and then there's fear of the unknown. And I think those three, those three factors all, um, they play hand in hand with, with each other. And then I think some people are scared of expectation because once you have a moderate uh, bit of success, you have to top your previous work. And um, the reality is you have your whole life to come up with your first effort or second effort. And then you have a couple of years to come out with everyone after that. So your, your, your creativity is really pushed. And I think that that's also why people start getting co-writers because they can't be authentic anymore because they don't have shit to say anymore. And, uh, and then that's Good why point. everyone starts sounding the same. And then it's just about producers writing for a thousand bands and they all have the same structure, same music, and it's a different vocalist over it. Same vocal chain. <laughs> all the, all the yeah. same thing. The yeah. drums all sound like Kevin Churko. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the midi let me, so, so let me ask you, um, with, with expectations, failure, success, um, a lot of this stems from what we were just talking about earlier, Instagram. A lot of this stems from social media and how we're perceived and how we put ourselves out there and how people perceive you. If you could do it all over again, would you be off social media and just kind of like try to make it happen without those things? Or this is a necessary evil for you? Um, I, I like, you know, what's cool about Tool is they have that illusion of you never knew who was in the band because they were doing the claymation videos and. And, uh, and that was real strong. Um, but that was also in a time where you can do that, you know, like mm -hmm. it's like a feast or famine world where social media has to kind of happen right now. Um, I think there's bands like motionless does it well, where Chris will just write every once in a while and, and, and people are, have his notifications on. So like it works for him. Um, I would like to be more like that because, you know, truthfully, when you're working hard, you don't have time to do the social media stuff, man. Like, mm -hmm. it's like I, I log on so infrequently now because I'm just really doing real shit behind the scenes, you know. And um, the thing that was cool about like a lot of like the 80s and 90s stuff is you hear stories, but there wasn't some people out there fact checking it. So that kind of created a mystery and a mystique and stuff. And that's gone now, you know, yeah. it's just like, uh, then, and they want people to push to TikTok and write a silly video of yourself. And it's like, if that's not your vibe, <laughs> like seeing grown ass man on TikTok trying to be funny is like, it literally makes me cringe. It's horrible. And, um, I understand there's a new generation of kids there and I understand that there's a reach there, but it's like, 
some people and some personalities it works for. And then other people, if, if, if it's just not them, it's not them. But um, I think at the end of the day, you got to be true to what you are. And if that's not who you are, you know, then you log on when you log on and, and your message gets to certain people. And the result of that is maybe you don't reach as many people as someone who logs on every single day, multiple times a day and talks to people constantly, you know, um, I'm not that person. I don't, I, I, I will go in spurts and I'll do things in my life in spurts. I'll do a ton of tattooing at once. So then I'll do a ton of band stuff at once and I'll do a ton of painting and when I'm ready to talk to our fans and, and be engaged with music, I'm, I'm, I'm there, you know, I'm all attentive, I'm all in, but it's always, it's always about shifting gears for me. And I think every, every recipe for each artist is different, but I just know where I excel and I know where I shine. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I do, I do think that that was the cool thing about back in the days that artists could just create the art and they could perform the art. And then they had, you know, the label really pushing them to get um, exposed the right way and their agents would get them on the tours and, and they could kind of have some kind of privacy to themselves. You know, I don't, I don't really want to see what like Axl Rose is like on a daily basis, because I just think that he was a fucking bomb front man who was in a great rock band and um, they came up with some whack uh videos and had an awesome live show and that's what i want to know about him i don't want to see him eating cereal and stuff and i'm glad he doesn't put shit up like that like um you know like seeing uh, you know i don't know i i i think that mystique is cool and i like yeah. it well it's funny i i asked that question because you've made some cover songs the last few years by two bands there's a we're super one of them is super good at keeping the mystique for a long time and the other one was just super good at always being authentic and that's david bowie and kiss yeah yeah let me ask you covering kiss is one thing but covering bowie is a very intimidating thing because it's one of those artists you just don't want to screw up what how did you go about choosing i'm afraid of americans um i Honestly, I think I saw a video or something. I don't even remember how it happened. But I know that we were like, it was right around the time where like the BLM movement was happening and uh, everyone's real divided. And I just felt like it was like the soundtrack for that time period. And I never really wanted to do a cover before, but that one was like something where I was like, hey, if we could put a spin on it and just make it updated that would be really cool because i really respect both of those artists um and then i remember just voice memoing my keyboard player who, who he's not our keyboard player anymore he just we just write songs together his name's jared farrell by voice memoing, i'm like hey dude i think we should cover this and like the next day he sent me like a, a skeleton of the music and then i started to track on it and by the end of the weekend we had we had like the core of it done and we sent it to our producer and then, you know, it, it came together so fast, but um, I just knew that if we did it, I wanted to take it and make it unique. And that's why we had that. We added that bridge, the bridge section, and then we added the, the guitar solo and everything. And um, we just kind of made it ours, but um, mm -hmm. I didn't feel intimidated about doing the artist justice because it was our own interpretation. We're not trying to copy them. We just wanted to do our own version and our style of something that we liked. 
Very good. Very good. As far as the kiss song, was that just something to have fun with? Um, that was something that, uh, my buddy and DK zero, they were doing something and, uh, you know, I, I'm not even a kiss fan. Um, I appreciate what they did, but, uh, it was just something that, um, I think Kat from Holy Wars is an awesome singer and, uh, Derek from DK zero and Kate, um, are friends of mine. And they just came to me with this idea and I was like, man, this will be something totally different. Let's give it a shot, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, so I sang my, I sang parts and then Kat sang parts on it. And, and uh, we had never even met each other prior to this, but um, it was just something that Cleopatra wanted to do to kind of bring three different fan bases together. Um, and it was a cool, it was a cool mashup. Nico, our guitar player played the solo on it. And uh, we went back and forth on the arrangement. And, um, you know, I think it came out pretty cool. Yeah, it's no, so funny to hear boy, hearing the name Cleopatra Records. I mean, I just I think of Fields and Nephilim and all those great bands from those days. Good Lord Almighty, that's awesome. Yeah, they they've been doing uh they've been and they've been signing newer bands like Power Man and they're and they got some rappers now and I mean their owner seems like he's a really straight up cool guy. He handled uh, this that song really easy and they're real professional about it. Yeah, awesome. I got an off music question for you. I didn't know you you did this until actually today. Um, so you own a horror influenced uh, clothing line, and yeah. I see that you do conventions and stuff. And I looked at some of the artwork and in, in, in uh, the t shirt designs, they're fucking. I'm a huge fan of like all <laughs> that stuff. Like I, I go to like all of the conventions, so it was surprising. A, but B, I, I can see the two, the marriage of your world as a DNA as a musician and, and an artist also parlaying itself here. But do you know like what really made you want to go full tilt boogie in the, the cloth world like that? I mean, because there's a lot. I mean, I looked at your spread at the at the convention pictures and then I looked at the website. I'm like, it's not just a few sh designs like you. You're really digging deep and you know your shit. So uh yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about the, you know, the motives? The, yeah. Well, um, in 2007, I moved from Maryland to LA and I wrote, uh, this is when MySpace was a thing and uh, there was blogs that you could write. And um, I left um, all of my uh, things back home and I, I, just wrote a, basically a letter to our fans back home. And um, I, I basically said, you know, I'm making the transition, but I'm not going to be gone for long. Um, like a good villain in a horror movie, the killer never dies. And I wrote that on this t-shirt for the last show that I played in Maryland before I moved. And when I started to live in LA, I worked at a tattoo shop. And I had a lot of downtime in between clients because it was just all walk-ins. And uh, when it's slow, it's slow. So I started using that killer never, killers never die line over and over and over and making like all these like timeless figures that kind of went in that whole vein. And um, when uh, I, I was doing designs for my girlfriend at the time as well, and her guy that did all the prints was like, Hey, do you have any of your own work? I'd love to see it. And I showed him, he's like, dude, I would totally start a clothing line with you. And so I did all the designs. I did all the marketing. He did all the fulfillments and all of the uh, printing. 
And um, as it got farther and farther along, I've been doing it 15 years now. Um, I just realized that the dark humor really has a nice sweet spot with the horror community. So yeah. I've been taking all these like, you know, like, uh, like Jeffrey Dahmer and say, if I can't, if you can't beat them, eat them. And like, you know, the Manson family, family that slays together, stays together. And I just coined all these phrases on these shirts and like the convention, the convention fan base just loves it. I mean, it's yeah. just, and I think a lot of it's shock factor and a lot of it's like, dude, that's really clever, you know? And, um, and it's funny cause I've seen like knockoff serial killer type brands that come in and out cause everyone has a fad for a minute and I've just been outlasting all of them. <laughs> but, uh, um, I love to just set up, let this stuff speak for itself and like, you know, put my all into each design. And, um, you know, it's, it's 15 years now doing that thing. And, and, uh, all of it is just designed to be your own boss, to live your life, to create, um, the majority of your time on this earth to, to do what you love and not be like tied down to something you don't enjoy. So that's what fueled me to do everything I do. Well, let me ask you. Yeah. You're, you're, you're one that's the, 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 the kind of the horror icons is a last supper. Type yeah. of thing. Uh, what, uh, out of all of those figures and, uh, you know, famous killers during time, which one of them sticks out as your favorite? Um, I think the Charlie Manson thing was just fascinating because he didn't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, you got a guy like you have like the green river killer and that guy, like just, I mean, he killed like 60, 70 people and just, I just don't know how you can just keep going like that. It's just so did he, dark. Did he disappear? They never found him, did they? No, he's in jail. Oh, he's in jail. Okay. Oh, very, very yeah. good. He's in very jail. Um, Treadway. Um, Gary Treadway, I believe is his name. Uh, don't fact check me on that one. Treadway. But, I, I can't remember his first name either, but that's totally his last name. I think it was but, Gary Treadway. But, um, I, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I'm drawn to different things about different people. Um, the one commonality that I see is they all seem like they wanted to get caught at some point. Like, I don't know if mm -hmm. they reach their capacity or they just start getting too cocky and just slip up, but they, they definitely wanted the recognition for what they've done, you know, and, and they kept their trophies and, um, it's just wild that, that you can go to such a place that allows you to uh, like, you know, detach from what you're actually doing and just, and then commit it over and over and over in different ways and live with yourself and then have a double life where your family and your friends don't even know what you actually do. Um, the yeah. psychology by that is far, you know, when we're talking about what scares you, I mean, that's far scarier than, than threats or like, you know, what anything else that goes on in this world to me is just, someone that can do something without any uh, fear of consequence. That's a powerful thing. Yeah. It's funny. They, they do all these atrocities without any kind of feeling. I mean, that's kind of the emotions gone away, but it's always ironic that the ego takes over and they need to be, they want to be known for what they did. So at that point they could have just, if they would have stayed the course, they could have faded away. No one caught them. They're good, but nope, the ego ends up bringing down everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I think I uh, like Dennis Rader, he was the BTK killer and he yeah. was in Wichita, Kansas. And, um, 
he he got butt hurt because he didn't feel like he got enough national attention, you know. And so he would taunt the police in, in uh, Kansas, and um, and he wanted it, and and he wasn't getting it, and it was almost it was like it was almost a uh, like a, a, a he wanted to be caught because he wanted to be known for this, you know, and um, that's wild to me too. But uh, mm-hmm. I'll never forget. So he gets caught. Um, I think he had some kind of like driving issue going home and. And he tells the cops, can you tell my mom or can you tell my wife I won't be home for dinner? Yeah. And that's what they said before they carted him off to the pen. Uh, Gary Ridgeway, you're right about the first name, Ridgeway. 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 Uh, so then, so then any, any theories on the Zodiac killer? Um, as far as who I thought it would be. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, you know, like, you know, I don't know if you've dug into any of the like, random books that they've put out over the years and stuff oh no i've i've watched my fair share of zodiac stuff man i i I don't know i mean it's now that the golden state killer has been caught and it's similar zip code sacramento vallejo like the same kind of thing um i i wouldn't be surprised if they were intertwined you know um, didn't they say Ed Kemper was possibly involved in that too? I don't know, but, yeah. uh, I, I don't, I don't really know. Um, I know a lot of people were kind of coming forward, trying to take ownership of it and they couldn't really pin one person to it. Um, I don't know that, that one in the John Benet Ramsey thing, I'm still stumped on. I mean, I, I feel like it was one of the family members totally or did. the, or the no, kid, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the boy yeah. the boy did it and the parents tried to cover it up or something you know yeah yeah i i'm with you right there uh with the your your um notes on the zodiac um you know once he got caught uh it was just like oh that makes sense it's probably definitely that yeah because because the fincher movie never told you shit yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even that good Mm-mm. But I watched it because moments. I was obsessed. Moments. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so back yeah, man, to I music. Just, yeah. No, so uh, so you just finished up a tour in uh, the spring. Any yep. plans to go on the road and do some more shows prior to when we see you in January? Um, I think the plan right now. I'm going to do a tattoo tour in October. The plan right now is I think that January is going to kick off our next kind of batch of things. I'm working on some songs. Um, and we're going to, we're doing some like light recording. I, I need to get in the vocal booth and start tracking some vocals. Cause we have some music, um, already kind of in the pipeline. And, um, I feel like I'm ready to start tracking again. I think that the biggest thing with me is, um, since we're not going on, you know, we're not really trying to do full albums right now. Um, every song matters more almost because I feel like everything's going to be under such a big microscope. So, um, I want to just keep doing some singles. Um, but we also have another song finished. Um, so we might, we might take like Americans caught in the fire. We have a acoustic version of only human that's finished. Um, and we might do a couple more songs and then do an EP. Um, and maybe that'll be the, some, the something that that'll be like the, the flagship for next year. Um, mm-hmm. cause we know that the industry always wants you to have some kind of thing you're pushing. Um, I think with, with us, since we've been supporting mainly, 
um, when you have 45 minutes sets on support tours and you've got four albums and an EP, um, your pickings become a little thin with what, eight or nine songs. So mm-hmm. like putting out another full album and having five albums and an EP and we get what, one or two songs from each thing, you know? So it's, it's, um, it's, it's a little bit of a balancing act between like consumption and consumer, uh, or, or, or product and consumption. Um, so, um, right now the plan is unless, unless we get something that we just can't turn down, I think the plan is we want to just make the ship rock the next thing and then ramp up the next year and, uh, and, and have our, our new music out and ready to go. You know, it's funny, the last six or seven artists we've spoken to all kind of echo the same thing about just more being singles driven, like just dropping something every so often to stay new, stay relevant, uh, keep people engaged, but also allows them to work on making sure that everything is all killer, no filler. Yeah, I think it's important. You know, I mean, the the album thing gives you an excuse to have a lot of more T-shirt designs. It gives you an excuse to do the pre-order and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. I mean, you can do the same approach with a single, I guess you're just not going to have the big physical release. Um, uh, but to me, if we had 10 songs or 12 songs, we're all feeling and we want to do a record, let's do a record. Like I, we're, we're to the point where like we could, it could go either way. Um, but the most important part is that it's great. And so if great comes with, with one or comes with three or comes with 11 songs, um, the outcome is, is I think more important than the number. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're living on your own, your own time and your own rules, which is great, a great feeling. So you don't really have to listen to somebody else tell you about a timeline, especially when it comes down to like the creation of something great, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I do like the pressure though, of being on someone else's watch and living up to an expectation and, and, um, kind of how having to outwork your peers. Like I, I prefer that. Um, and, uh, I want to be pushing more towards that situation because I think it challenges you to, to grow. And, uh, and I always welcome that, um, that obstacle because I think it's a fun thing to figure out and, um, circumvent through. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully you have a couple of band members who are constantly bugging you because that would, that would do it for me. <laughs> yeah, no, they're good. I mean, they, you know, they, they always play in side projects and stuff when we're not touring and stuff, but I, I'll welcome that. Like, go, go make your money, you know, go, go have fun. And, um, when it's time for us to work, let's get to work. But, um, you know, it's like, we've all been playing together for a long time. And, uh, and I know it's different from being, uh, from being a vocalist versus just, you know, from, you know, being an instrumentalist, um, it's, it's different. You can kind of weave in different lanes. And, and, um, for me, like I, I put everything I have into this. So, uh, I don't have anything left to give anybody else, you know, but that's just different when you're, when you're learning parts and, and maybe not coming up with the creation of it all, you know, or the hardware. Yeah. Hey, so so let me ask you, speaking of all of this creation, everything you're doing, how has fatherhood affected that? Um, it has made me learn how to uh juggle something else. Um it is um I think it's pushed me in a lot of ways because 
you have less time to, to dick off, you know, it's like, uh, everything kind of matters each day, you know, whether it's me going out to the store for an hour or like, you know, us tra- changing who's watching him, um, uh, versus getting three hours of sleep, you know, like, I feel like we're in charge of this little human and making sure he's, um, getting what he needs cause he needs us. And, uh, mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, today I brought him and we did all of the errands that I would normally do by myself. I brought him on all of them and, uh, and I packed a bunch of orders with him, like in the, in his little, uh, car seat thing next to me and brought him to the post office and, uh, just got all like the normal work that I would normally do myself. I brought him with me. I'm like, all right, I can, can, I can get this. We can do this. Um, now cutting vocals and being real loud because the vocal booth is in his room. So that's going to be the next step. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so well, well, there's many places where he can sleep, but that that's going to be the next challenge is like, all right, I'm used to being loud. I'm used to just, you know, and now there's like certain times where um, it's in our benefit to not be loud. So he stays asleep because goddamn, yeah. when that boy's awake. He does not want to go back to bed. Um, but, uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. I was real scared about it. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I, I don't, I feel like my life is over. And, and I felt that way for the first couple months when we found out. And then I realized that like, he's an extension of what we are and my girlfriend tours. And, um, so she, you know, we're going to still do our own thing. This last couple, uh, like he's three weeks old. Um, the last, these couple months up here, like coming up, you know, we're, we're going to start integrating what we do back into this and uh, find the sweet balance between bo- both of the, uh, both worlds. But um, we communicate well, and I think we'll be able to figure out a good balance. And, you know, every, we both have full intentions of living our normal lives and, and you know, we'll figure it out. It, that's the thing with like the life that we live is there's, it's all about improvisation sometimes and, you know, tactical planning with the inevitable it never goes as planned, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Hey, uh, can you, can, do you mind if we do this thing segment called walk the plank with you? I, 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 let's walk the plank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So it, it, it's just, they're just questions that are kind of a little, maybe uh, left sometimes of the, uh, the what we're actually, what, what you do. Uh, we each have a question. My question is, uh, what do you get in trouble for most? What did you get in trouble for uh, the most when you were younger? Um, probably disobeying, sneaking out, um, talking back. Um, I was just, dude, I was just very, I was anti-authoritarian. I still am. That's going to be weird with the kid, right? (laughs) I mean, he doesn't have a choice. We got to, we got to lock him down. No, I mean, you know, it, I think uh, all, all, all parenting with him will be about negotiation. It's never going to be about no. It's going to be like, right, you have this choice or that choice. Which one do you want to do? If you do this, you might not have that. But if you want to do that, then you might lose out on this. So which one do you want to do? Um, I'm going to give him a choice. And, um, you know, we're going to nudge him along. But I think there's a ways to present it where it, you, you you, you allow it to be their decision. And if they understand the consequence, if it doesn't go well, that's part of their growth and their learning process. 
Awesome. Very good. Very good. All right, Davey, my question is this. What temptation do you find hardest to resist? Um, hmm. I don't know. I feel like I'm very fortunate in the sense that I can kind of do what I want in my life. Um, um, I think sometimes I, I sometimes I like feed into some of the haters and stuff, and like I, I sometimes read stuff that I shouldn't. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, I'm, I'm uh, this is so lame, but like I'm big into sugar and uh, like sugar, sugar. Yeah, like frappuccinos and stuff like that. And I know so, it's not like great for you, but like, dude. I do it's delicious. It. Yeah, I, I love it's a good frappuccino. See, that's um, an adult temptation nowadays. Is like sugar, tobacco. I know. You know. So it's oh. so boring, isn't it? Man's ruin. <laughs> yeah, well, that's great. Davey, listen, man, we've had you for quite a while. We couldn't thank you enough for your time you've given us, and, and man, we look forward to seeing you in January. But uh, yeah, this has been a great conversation. Thanks. I know we went off into a serial killer uh little expedition there but i i kind of figured that was going to happen anyway <laughs> yeah it's a dark it's a dark place to be in my head sometimes so but that's, I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> that's why we got to get you in the sun dude yeah so, that's right that's right anyway, listen congratulations on caught in the fire obviously congratulations on being a dad and uh, thanks again if you, if you whatever you go you do before we see you uh best of success on that man and we'll, we'll we'll do this again we can't wait for it thank you thanks brother thanks man all right gentlemen thanks. thank you Hey, have yep. a good night. Take care, bud. See ya. You too. Bye, everybody. Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear. The people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments. The ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember. The ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.